Hello, magical money makers, and welcome to the EPOP podcast, episode three of season one. Season one's theme is... <laughs> Wait for it. Our journey to short-term rental success. And today's episode is called The Difference Between Middle of the Road and Magical Listings. Magical. Mm-hmm. Hello, wannabe wizards. Airbnb has a ton of unique listings, including 140 igloos for rent. But how many private islands do they have listed? Take a guess. Lightning struck in an open plain, and we forgot this old city's name. See your breath on window pane. Let's just talk. Till it strikes again On my way through I saw you on my way through 140 igloos. How many private islands? Mm, three. Way more. Really? So there wow. are, I'm going to give you some numbers. Um, there <laughs> but are, we're not on the numbers and stats. Episode. Not on the numbers and stats, but this is about magical listings. We're going to talk today about how to make your listing magical. And a lot of that comes with how to make it unique. And so I found a really, there's a lot of cool numbers in here. So I'm going to give you a few. 140 igloos, 300 <laughs> lighthouses. Wow. Then private islands. So it's like it's more than that. Wow. Oh, there are more private islands. Yeah, than... which I was shocked. Yes. So I'm, okay. I'm starting at like the the most unique and working up through like wow. the more common. Okay. So sorry, there were 140 igloos and then- 300 lighthouses. Okay. So there are more private islands than 300. Okay. Um, 562. No. 1,600 what? private islands- it sounds like a lot to me. It does. 2,600 <laughs> tree houses. Well, yeah. That 2,800 yurts, which shocked me at first, but then I realized like yurts are kind of trending, right? Yeah. I mean, and you know, there might be villages of yurts, like glamping yurts. Sure. And stuff. That so, are all on Airbnb. So that makes sense. 3,500 castles. Okay. 5,600 boats. Like boat houses? Yeah, like I, get, I, I like that you sleep on. Yeah, like boats that you yeah. could sleep on, or or yeah, like boats. A yacht. I mean, just Ooh. boats. <laughs> like I have boats. I, don't I never know even thought about a boat being on Airbnb. Oh, like, I want to oh, do that. Oh, I see them all the time. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Do you spend a lot of time just like you know scrolling Airbnb? Because I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I just some. I've seen boats when we've looked at different places. Obviously, usually I've places on boats. the water. I've seen like ho- like house boats. You know what I mean? I, I've definitely seen house boats on Airbnb. I'm trying to I? think of the last place that I looked and I saw a boat. Um, I don't remember where it was. Like I said, uh, usually on the water. I'm I sure wonder, there's some. I'm sure there's some like, that are not. But you can go like, out in them. Like, do you have to have a special license? I mean, I'm this sh- is. I have so many questions. Well. There's 5,600, so I'm sure they all, <laughs> there's a variety of different things that yeah. you can do. But I, I would assume most are docked and you just sleep on them. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, in Philadelphia, they have all those boats that have the slips um, right under the Ben Franklin Bridge and yeah. they, they, you know, they're permanent there or, you know, that's where people live. Uh, one of the people in LI, Tatiana, she has a houseboat in Seattle. Like yeah, a, a boat. Houseboat. No, no, but yeah. like a boat. Okay. Not a, not a houseboat, but like a boat. Okay. But she lives in it. Okay. 
All right. Not like one of those big houseboat party right. boats, like a regular boat that you could take out, but she also happens to live in it. Okay, interesting. Um, 24,000 tiny homes. That that mm, makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot, but I mean, all homes. over the world. Yeah. 40,000 farms and 90,000 cabins. Hmm. I just thought that was cool. Well, how many cottages do they have? How many bungalows, if you will? I mean, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, they're going to have at least four more as soon as we get these things listed. Um, and so, guys, today we are talking about how to make your listing magical instead of just middle of the road. Because there are, as we mentioned, millions, I, I forget the exact number, I had it up here, of Airbnb listings in the world. And, you know, middle of the road is okay. We're going to talk about some of ours that were middle of the road. But what's way better than middle of the road? Magical. Magical. And magical money makers. So the reason I started the podcast off by saying that to all of you is because you kind of have to believe it. You know, you have to put the intention out there. We were even just talking about this this morning with our friends who are in hospitality industry in Nashville and how, you know, they bought their first hotel there by just, you know, saying I'm this person from this Hotel group. group. All they had was a business card. And all they had was a business and a card. And a dream. And I, I, I was like, wow, that's so cool. And that's so incredible. And it's something that, you know, I think that we do maybe without knowing it. But if you really go in with that intention, like, okay, yes, I am going to. I'm going to create a magical Airbnb. I'm going to create gonna a magical. Yes. A lot of money. Yes. If I do it correctly. Um, I just looked it up there. In 2019, so there's probably way more there, there was 5.6 million listings on Airbnb. Wow. So That yeah, does you, sound a little overwhelming. But remember that your listing is only for an area that people are searching. So it won't be, they won't be searching all 5 million of those before they get to yours. So. No, you, but you want to cut through the noise. Yes. You want to cut through the noise. And um, if you haven't listened to the first two episodes, just really quickly, we're doing seasons now. This is season one. It's all about our, our journey. Uh, into the world of short-term rentals and how we've been able to have success. And a lot of that success is built on the shoulders of, I, I won't say failure. No. Because it wasn't. It was learning experiences and they, they did make us money. But our magical listings have come because we had middle of the road listings. And our hope is that you listen you to this that. and you, <laughs> you skip, skip the, the middle, middle of the road. And go right to the magic. And you go right to the magic. Let's do this magic, so, baby. Yeah, we uh, go listen to the first two episodes. If you haven't yet, we go into our journey in episode one and then Episode two, we talk about the kind of the three different options you have when you're, you're working on your getting your first short-term rental. And no matter which of those three options you pick, master leasing, uh, renting out your own home, or buying a property for the purpose of short-term rentals, you can make it a magical listing. So it doesn't matter which one of those options you, you when you listen to episode two, you kind of thought, hey, this is the way I'm going to go down. You can make it a magical listing. And I think it all starts with something doing something that we didn't do with our first Philly listings. And the reason we didn't do it is because I think 95% of people completely miss this and don't even give it a thought. And that is, what is the purpose of your Airbnb? So if anyone is in an entrepreneur or you're in marketing or anything, they always teach you like, who is your avatar? Who is your who is your avatar? Who is your target customer audience? Who is your target audience? And it's easy to like throw out a few little things, but I think diving really deep into this is the first step to figuring out a magical listing. Because when we started the properties in Airbnb uh, in Philadelphia, we simply 
like we wanted, we did a little bit of this and the, the little bit that we did was, Hey, I think that we should buy some bigger properties, meaning one was two bedrooms, but it could sleep eight, but everything else was three or four bedrooms and all of them slept between eight to 12 people. So our thought was we don't want to compete with hotels. So we don't want one bedrooms. You know, um, there are a lot of two bedrooms. There aren't that many for groups and there weren't. So the whole, the whole thought of the avatar was like, we're going to be a place for groups. But that was the basic base it. level. And I mean, when we thought groups, then we also didn't even keep going with that thought thinking, okay, well, if our target is groups, then that means our properties are also going to get destroyed more often than you would if you had a smaller property that only has a couple staying there or a family. So, you know, we didn't necessarily think about parties coming in and and making them even geared toward that as a special thing and just going with that. We just, that was it. That was, it, it ended there. And so the result of that was that they weren't really special for any reason. I mean, they were nice and they were furnished nice. And, you know, so people in, enjoyed the experience there. But did they have the most incredible experience that they could possibly have on their group vacation. I don't know. And then as a result, also our properties definitely got a lot of wear and tear because of that. And I think if you don't start with this, you can do all the things that Heather's going to mention later, the smaller picture stuff. So we're starting like big, big picture. You could do all the smaller picture stuff well, but it's still not going to work as well as it would if you get the big picture down stuff stuff done first and then go small picture. And so there's a, there's a book out there, really popular marketing book called Purple Cow um, by Seth Godin. Super boring book. I, I wouldn't recommend reading it because <laughs> basically all you need to but know- But yet you're mentioning it. No, because his, I, his, the, the, the point of the book and the title of the book is awesome, but it can the whole book can be summed up in, in two sentences. And uh, someone summed it up to me and I was like, that's really awesome. I got to read the book. And then I read the book. I'm like, there's nothing else here. To be fair, it was written in 2008. So a lot of the examples were kind of like old when I read it in 2021. But the idea is of a purple cow. And he mentions like going on a trip through the countryside of France with his family and they're going through all these awesome farmlands and like, you know, you're looking at, they're looking at the cows and oh my gosh, isn't this so majestic and beautiful and they're stopping and they're taking pictures of the cows and look how green the grass is. Look at that pretty house over there. Look at the cows. And then, you know, you go around the next turn and it's like, oh, it's still pretty. And maybe you stop and you take another picture and then like 20 minutes in the drive, like you see like, oh, this is still pretty. There's some cows, but you don't stop. And then, you know, an hour in, you're just seeing cows and grass and you're like, okay, and it just becomes commonplace. But if you were to drive by and all of a sudden you saw a purple cow, that would stick with you forever. You would tell that story until you died. Like, can you believe, like, you know, car would screech to a halt. Like, what the heck? There's a purple cow. What's a purple cow? Why is it purple? <laughs> and his point is that you need to be remarkable. And remarkable is not a synonym for good. Remarkable is not even a synonym for great. Remarkable means... So interesting that it cannot help but be remarked upon. And so you could have something great, but it's not remarkable. It's great, but people are like, okay, this is really great. Remarkable is like, I cannot help but make a comment or tell people about this. And so when I read that, I we had already started kind of implementing this idea into our, into our short-term rentals, but it really hit home like, ah, that's what we were missing and that's what almost everyone's listings 
are missing when it comes to short-term rentals? Yes. So searches for unique Airbnbs are up 300%. Yes, you heard that correctly. 300% in the last two years. And I think, you know, some of that has to do with being in a pandemic and people wanting to create a different experience outside of the, you know, norm or being stuck at home. And, but it's also, I, I just think people are used to this idea of traveling and staying in an Airbnb now, even more so than a hotel. And if you can mix that, and when I say mix that, I mean, have a unique experience on Airbnb with your Airbnb rental, but also have the amenities that a hotel has, like think about that guest experience and you really have meshed together something pretty special. Yeah, I think you make a great point that the novelty of just staying at an Airbnb has worn off because now people have done it a lot. In the beginning, mm-hmm. it was like the, the, you, it was like the unique thing was that you were staying in an Airbnb and not at a hotel. Now people have stayed at Airbnbs and now they're like, well, I could stay at this random two bedroom condo that's nice or I could stay in a treehouse. Yeah. Okay, I'm going on a vacation. Where do I want to go? I want to spend my money in a treehouse. I think some of it is also the, like you said, the pandemic, also the type of travelers, like yeah. as people who were younger now grow up and have disposable income, we have seen gen- the younger generations be willing to spend more money on unique things, whether that be saying, hey, I'm going to go to a craft brewery instead of drink a Bud Light, whether that be saying, hey, I'm going to spend more money on this artisanal coffee versus getting Folgers. I mean, they're willing to spend money on local, unique, artisanal things that 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 make it different, give them a different experience and, and support kind of, you know, maybe smaller business. It doesn't always have to be smaller business, but people are willing to spend money on that. And I think that especially when you're talking about a vacation, like someone going on a trip, that's when people are willing to spend more money on experience because they're saying, well, we're already spending X amount on this trip. What's another, like we're already spending $1,000 on this trip. What's another $100 staying in a treehouse over a two-bedroom condo? That's when the, the idea of, hey, there isn't really a cap on what we're spending or, or the budget can get stretched because it's a vacation, not them going to buy like a can opener. Right, a can opener. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying. And I also think that, you know, with people doing more short-term rentals and, and putting their home or anything up on Airbnb, Airbnb makes it easy for you to list, right? But because there are so many over 5 million, you really have to market your Airbnb and you have to think about what's going to sell or book your Airbnb. So that's what we've become better at since doing our first couple of really picturing who is going to be the guests here. What experience do they want? And how can we kind of level this up so that they are just having the most exceptional time? And it's not even just about the rating and review that they'll leave for you, which obviously does help and getting more people to book. But also, we just really want people to have a good time and have a good experience. So that's something that we mentioned in the first episode that, you know, for us traveling around the world and going to see new places, we also like the flip side of that too, for people coming to stay at something we've created and explore an area that we love. Yeah, we're going to get some, we're going to get in some really specific examples of how you can do this now. Uh, 
you know, for example, off the cuff, if you're if you're going after families, right? What can you put there? Okay, you you have pack and plays there. Like some of it is logistical stuff. You have pack and plays. You have this. You have that. Maybe you have some toys. You have kids plates and cups. Like something as simple as we put a foosball table in one of our cottages. It's not renovated and remodeled yet, but there's a blank space. We're like, okay, well, it's a two bedroom. Families might come here. They're coming to the beach. Okay, let's put a foosball table in. Like, is that going to be the tipping point for someone booking ours over someone else's? Mm, maybe if everything else is considered. So that's a really small thing. When you think, you know, what we've tried to do is first start with the big picture, as you mentioned, and say, okay, who is our direct avatar? Let's market to them. I want to give a great example of someone who did this, our buddy Mike Savas, who's been on this podcast, who you guys <laughs> probably love. He did a, he does Month in the Making. You should check it out. Um, he had a place in Nashville. And when we were first getting our Philly properties, he got this place in Nashville. And I remember him saying, Trav, I'm going to, he's very big on themes. Heather probably wouldn't let us do this, but that's fine. Like (laughs) not everyone has to, he did a theme. It was a five bedroom thing. And he said, I am going to theme this out. It's going to basically be for bachelor, bachelorette parties, like groups coming to have fun. And so each room was themed with a different like musician and he went all out you know there's guitars everywhere and there's like a hot tub and like every room has a different feel because it's theme it's a themed house just as you would have a themed hotel and it killed it because the people who were coming saying for a bachelor party like well there's this really nice five bedroom that's that's great in the same neighborhood or oh my gosh well I might not want my house to be themed like this, but it's a bachelor party. I want to stay in the Willie Nelson room. Okay. And so it just did really well because it was super unique. Yes. And so, you know, with our Philly properties, we didn't really make any of them unique. And we easily could have even by just doing some type of, you know, maybe not a huge theme, but doing a historical theme at each one. Or, you know, like the one property that we we discussed as being... The one of the ones that made the most money for us is a historic house that like Benjamin Franklin supposedly had some of his stables at for his horses, you know, in. Yeah, a long time a ago. A long time ago. So, yeah, <laughs> I was like, whoa. But, and we played um, that up in our listing. We're like, this is the land. It's called Race Street. This is the land that Ben Franklin had his stables on and they used to race the horses up and down the right. street. And, and we didn't lean into it no, totally at all. we didn't lean into it at all, um, but. But we we could have, and there was potential have. there for that, and and so you just have to think of some cool features of your home, of your space that can make it unique. And an easy way to do that without trying too hard is to really make the staging beautiful and exceptional. Because yes, you can get a you know, a new couch and you can throw a picture up on the wall. But when I'm designing a space, I might not think of it in themes of like Willie Nelson or, you right. know, Music City. You don't but- have to, it, right. It doesn't, I just want to clarify, like it doesn't have to be themed. Like that yeah. is, that is just one way to go about it. You are much more, let's say, subtle. Like you don't like the in-your-face themed stuff. No, well, those could be. Although fun. the Harry Potter like themed house or whatever on Airbnb is yeah. like one of the top well, rated sure. Airbnbs in yeah, the world. Yeah, so if that's if you like themes and you like you know interesting fun things like go that for it. go for it it is not my personal style so a lot of my airbnbs reflect my personal style so when i'm thinking about making our places unique 
I'm thinking about the staging, the furnishing, the small touches, and where you put in that extra thought to the details. And that's where I think of it more as being almost like a luxury hotel, but in an Airbnb, because it's not like I'm spending so much money and splurging on all of this stuff, but it's just these little touches that make people say, oh yeah, in the pictures, I, you only have so many pictures that you can put on that listing, but they see that item and they're like, yes, yeah, I want to stay there. So what we've realized in is that our only avatar really in Philadelphia was groups. And then we got this house down here on the beach and we looked around and we said, okay, and here's another way to make it unique is is location. But, you know, so for example, our house is beachfront. It is the closest house to the beach on this entire stretch of coast. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you don't maybe. know that factually, uh, but it's very close. I can look off my if deck you, and yeah. every other house is back further from the waves. If you follow us on Instagram, you know, you'll see from our deck that the water is right there. It's very close. So, the yeah, the only... People closer are the 5,600 boat rentals on Airbnb uh, to the water. But so we knew, okay. Yes, that's unique. That is a unique selling point. All right, we are going to go after groups because it was a five bedroom. Yep. We only rent it as a four. But we also then said, okay, this is going to be a luxury rental because we looked at the market here and we we knew that, okay, well, we can command a pretty high dollar because it's beachfront. Mm -hmm. But... And, and because it's big, but there are other big beachfront places. And yes. when we looked at them, they were just not, the decor did not make them luxury or, or they were luxury, but it was kind of in, in our mind, this like standard builder style luxury, like they're big and modern and new, but we were like, well, we're going to lean into the fact that ours is one story. And even though it's five bedroom, it's like 2,500 square feet. It's just like a bigger beach cottage. And we're going to make it a bohemian luxury vibe because that is, doesn't exist here and if we don't need everyone to like this bohemian luxury vibe we don't need everyone to be able to afford this but the people who are coming and saying well okay i want a beachfront house but i want it to be furnished in a really cool boho style and i don't want a modern place with like dark wood cabinets and and dark countertops i want this boho airy feel there's one place for you to go right and it's our house and so when we started furnishing this house, you know, that is the style I had in mind. And so I really thought about each room, how they flow together. So, I mean, obviously this is more about like designing a space. And so not everybody has the inclination or the desire, the talent to do that. I understand. Yeah, you can hire someone like Heather. <laughs> you sure can. But also just to be intentional about how you want people to feel when they walk into your home. Like you want them... I mean, it's their home for the week or the weekend or the night, but to feel like just that sense of, in my case, at this beach house, it was peace and openness and just complete relaxation. So I want to make sure, okay, they have great bedding, matching towels, uh, extra throw blankets, beach towels, you know, good coffee, a French press, not just a drip machine, like a kettle, all of these things that are kind of like a step above. And and that's all because we decided our avatar was someone who wanted a higher class of stuff, right? A higher class of furnishing. And that then led into the, the smaller details that you mentioned. Right. And then also, you know, you don't want to have clutter in an Airbnb. You want it to be 
pretty easy to clean, but you also want to make sure that you have stuff in there because otherwise it can feel a little too sterile. So, you know, I did some layered effects with, you know, books and I even did plants in here, but not, that's not always the case for everyone. You can do faux plants, you can do dried florals, but just having that element of nature in the space too, to kind of, you know, bring people in the house. And obviously the view sells our house. I mean, that's all well and good, but people still have to stay there and and be inside too. And so the overall experience is what I really thought about when getting this house ready to list. Yeah, this is, I I think we can say this probably going to be our favorite episode to record of the eight. Uh, Can we play (laughs) favorites? We can play favorites. I mean, mean, I have a favorite kid. Like, oh, what? Whichever one's being nicer to me at the moment is my favorite kid. Whichever one's <laughs> so listening changes. to me. So it changes, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but I, I mean, I just see you lighting up as you're talking about that. And then I know inside I'm just bursting to talk about more diving into like the whole avatar and, and this this idea of like what is going to be your, What's in marketing, set you apart? it's like your unique selling proposition. And so I want to give people uh, some actual tips for this. For us so in Philly, we didn't really have any. Again, it was like, all right, it's going to be it's going to be nice and it's going to be for groups. And that's what it was. And it made some money. So yes. when we say middle of the road, like they did fine for us. They, you know, they, they were making some money. We weren't losing money. But it, it certainly wasn't, it, again, it was to use the baseball term that we used in episode one, it was a single or a double. Right. And we realized that, okay, it probably doesn't take any more money or work or at least not that much more money or work to hit a home run. Some of that is the area you pick, but I think I honestly believe like if we had thought about this in Philly or if we had kept those properties and thought of and and redid it and said, what is it going to be? Like, what is our theme for these places? How can we make these unique? How can we make these pop? I think we could have made them in from a single to a triple, right? And, you know, I, again, I think people miss this. And so when I'm looking at it and I'm looking at a property, I'm saying, all right, there needs to be, in my mind, three big, unique things about your property. I, I don't, maybe not, maybe big's not the right word. Three unique things about your property. One of them should be just like, I hit you in the face. This is crazy unique. For us, it is the view. Right. For the one Philly property that did really well, the last one we bought, because I I, I did subconsciously kind of start thinking about this mm-hmm. then. Um, without putting words to it, we had a roof deck. Yeah. Now, are there other places in Philly with a roof deck? Sure, but it's probably 5% of properties. So we had a roof deck and that thing was, so we highlighted the very first picture, the cover picture of the thing was the roof deck. We put in nice furniture. We had a heat lamp. The very first thing talked about, like, come see a panoramic view from the roof deck. And so it doesn't mean that no one else can have it. There's other oceanfront properties here, but that Philly property did really, really well because it had a roof deck. So like, what can you do that maybe five or 10 or maybe even only, or maybe even up to 20% of the properties in your area are doing? Can you put in a hot tub, right? Like, again, it's going to differ for everyone, but I think you need a in your face, like, boom, this automatically sets me above most of my other competitors. And I think it has to be something bigger than just the decor because then that's where the other two unique factors come in. So for example, here, Heth, we put in like the swing chairs. Yeah. Now other properties have the swing chairs, but we have two of them. 
You know, <laughs> you got to be unique. Yeah. And so if someone, if think of whenever you've looked through a listing and you're looking, you're like, oh, that's the house with the pool table. Oh, that's the house with the pool. Oh, that's the house with a swing chair. And it's like. That bonus space that has, you know, whether it's. Right. That's a kid. They have a kid's loft, like, a yeah. you know, or, or they have, for, you know, whatever it is, like the, it's something unique that sticks out in the listing. So you have to kind of your hit you in the face unique thing. Then you have like a thing that you can probably do at any property, a swing chair, uh, you know, something unique with a decor. And then I think the third thing is like the cherry on the top. And I, I think that's where you, where you kind of come in Heth, with, with those two and the second and third thing is like, you know, then, oh my gosh, every picture they look like, look at is like light and airy and boho and fun. And they're like, there, there's no mismatch stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, like it's very intentional. And that's another thing that we always, always recommend is to try to stage your property as best as you can or hire somebody to help you with it. Um, but then when you do get it ready, hire a professional photographer because one million percent it you will get the return on that usually it's 100 to 250 depending you know on the size of your house maybe a little more if you're getting somebody really fantastic or something uh, one person quoted us I think 400 dollars to do our home in Phoenixville and I was like yeah that's a little too much for us but anyway you can you can generally get it around 100 to 200 dollars you will get that money back on your first booking, really, because if you have beautiful pictures that are edited and and those nice touches and angles that only a professional photographer really knows how to get. And I take a lot of pictures and I still can't do it. And it, it's shooting interiors can be tough because you need certain lights and they have certain lenses that they use. So it is 100% worth it to go that extra effort and get professional picture stuff with a 95 percent we're throwing a lot of percent degree of accuracy you could show me a picture and be like is this a professional like interior photographer or is this someone doing it on their own and you'd be like you, you could just tell right away and to do all the work and then not go that last percent and have it look amazing with the photographer would be would be downright silly um and so you know i i think that some of you may be sitting there, you're like, I, at least I would think this way, right? Like, well, but Trav, Heth, like, one, I, I don't have the design eye. Okay, there's ways around that. Get a friend. Hire someone. Again, Heather mentioned hiring a photographer, well worth it. Hiring someone to come and stage your house, help you out. Heather started doing that with, with, um, with some clients. I mean... You can spend as much or as little as you want. Like you think hiring a designer or someone to stage is so much money, but you can, it's different levels. And so if you know that by making, getting those extra touches and having it be a cohesive space when people walk in the door, you will get more bookings and you can list your house higher. It's worth it a hundred times over. Usually you'll make your money back very quickly. I mean, we're talking about in a couple bookings because you'll be able to charge more and you'll get just so much more demand, you know, if you if you hire professionals, if you don't feel comfortable doing it. The other thing you might be thinking is like, well, Trav, you're talking about these unique elements. My place doesn't have any. And, you know, I just want to bring you back to like we talked about in Philadelphia. We bought those properties without thinking really far into what that, in, into how, uh, like what's the unique selling proposition with them. So one... If you haven't bought a property yet, then don't buy one that doesn't, doesn't have, have that. something like that. That doesn't, that you don't walk in and with maybe 10 minutes of thought say, all right, 
this is really unique. Is there a pizza oven, right? I, I, there, like the amount of things that could be the unique feature, the kind of hit you in the face feature, are are almost infinite. Yes, and also it it can very easily be done if you just purchase something that makes it that way. That's not. 10 grand, right. you know, like you can get, even a hot tub is, you know, could be expensive, but our friends actually, they put just an actual bathtub out on their deck and they did build a surround around it. But I think that's so cool. You see some places having like a place where you can have a bath outside. That is unique. That yep. is very cool. People will book that because they're like, yes, I would love to watch the sky at night or the stars come out as I'm soaking in a bathtub. And that's also less maintenance than a hot tub, which is why they decided to do it. But you can easily make or buy a unique thing yep. to take your property to the next level. Totally. And I think that you, if again, if you haven't bought the property yet um, and you're not using your own home and you're looking for a property, make that the thing. Like, hey, if, if I walk into a place and it, and it just feels like, hey, this could be a good or a really nice Airbnb, but there's nothing that's like, oh man, we're so different because of this. If you can't create it for whatever reason, then move on to the next property. And that's that's where I didn't, I, I wish I could go back and tell myself that advice is I, I always imagined that I could, like everything, I saw the possibilities in it. And that's fine. Everything has possibilities, but some have home run possibilities <laughs> and some have, oh, you're going to hit a single or a double. And just think through that avatar of who's going to stay here. I'll give you a, here's a great example. And this, this really hit home for us with the cottages that we just bought. There's four units, uh, the, the top, there's a duplex in the front. It's a top and a bottom. And those are both two bedroom. One is two bath. One is one bath. Okay. Then there's two smaller cottages in the back. They're both about 350 square feet. One of them is 350 square feet, which if you don't do square feet, you're in Europe. Very, 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 very small. <laughs> it's like 35 square meters, even less. Um, but it had two bedrooms in it. And we're like, well, we got to keep this a two bedroom. Like more bedrooms yeah, are, are more, better. I more mean, money, right? More money. And then we dove into the numbers and we'll talk about this in the numbers podcast a bit more. And we realized that a one bedroom didn't do that much less than a two bedroom. And our buddy Clint said to us, listen, you could have like, that's always going to be a really small two bedroom. You can gussy it up, you can renovate it, but ultimately it's going to be a tight, small two bedroom. So you can have yeah. an, a little bit above average two bedroom. Maybe. Maybe. And there it was all, no, there was hardly any living space. You know, there was... Right. There were two bedrooms and then a place and, for a small couch. And we and we thought of it as like, well, you can have two couples and like they're going to be at the beach because it's right across the street from the beach. So who cares if there's a little bit of living room, this and that. And he said, you could do that or you could turn this one bedroom into a big open living area. Then you all of a sudden have a much bigger kitchen. You have a much bigger living area. You have one bedroom and you could have the nicest one bedroom on the entire island here. And we were like, huh, yeah, but, and he was like, and, uh, you know, we're like, oh, maybe, maybe. And he's like, yeah, and you're going to cater just to couples, like one couple, like two people can stay. I'm like, well, should we put a, a sleeper sofa in, in the <laughs> living room? We said, no, no, you're not catering to two couples. You're catering to one couple and you'll make more money with a one bedroom that's really nice catering to one couple who wants a luxury place than you will with a two bedroom catering to two couples who want to split it because they want to stay cheap and they just need a place near the beach. And he's right. He's, he's a hundred percent right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, you got it. You, 
again, we have done this a long time. We've started to think, who do we want our properties? And even there was a little of a, like a, aha, like it doesn't always have to be more people. It can be different types of clientele. And for us, where, where, where we lie is we want to go after, when we say luxury, uh, not people who will stay at the Four Seasons because they want hotel-style luxury. We want people who want a luxurious, different experience while still having the conveniences that they would have at home, meaning washers and dryers, yeah. kitchens, and all that kind of stuff. And we're not going to go for the people who want the cheapest option. And so that's where we found to be our... Shift. Yeah, that's our shift. And that's the niche that we're serving here. And you can pick whatever you want, but the the people that we like to work with and and, and where we see the value is almost trying to to play at the top of the market. And in Philly, we weren't. We were just playing at that middle of the market and there were a lot of options. But I remember when we were looking to make stuff for groups, there was this one Airbnb profile. They, they were a hospitality group, but they owned like five properties and they were super, super luxury properties. And it was beautiful. In Philly. Beautiful they were property. So beautiful. They were for groups. So it was like five bedrooms, super luxury. They had like five in the city and they absolutely killed it. They charged two and three and four times what we were charging per night. They were booked a ton because there was so few other competitors that someone was coming to Philly and like, I want to have a really expensive bachelorette party or a really expensive, uh, you know, pre-wedding with my family or whatever. They were going to theirs. With our properties, there were like hundreds to choose from. Yeah, so... You just have to really decide what market you want to play and who is going to be coming there and staying at your property. So once you have your short-term rental, once you have it furnished and staged and ready to go and you do that professional photography, I think we should just touch a little bit on actually listing it on Airbnb. Now, especially if you are going with a property management company, that's usually something that they take care of. But if you're not, there are some things that you can do that also can grab people's attention in the actual listing and to just be, you know, mindful of that. Yeah, you could make your, it's like, it's not done and magical until you've done every step, I right. think. And the listing itself, Heather hit the, the absolute biggest one is professional photography. Yes. If you don't do that, who cares what else you do? Um, I... I've seen different theories and I've read a lot about different people on the descriptions they write. I like to tell a story in my <laughs> descriptions. So our one where it was on the the old stables of Ben Franklin's racetrack, I was like, built in the 1840, you know, this was, I, I told the story of like, this house is sitting on, on the stable of Ben Franklin because I thought, hey, this is how it's going to, like, this is a defining characteristic. So I like to tell a story and I like to write that story in the beginning doesn't even have to be long. Yeah, a couple sentences. And then I like to walk them through chronologically, like what they'll see when they get into the house. And I like to personally structure the pictures that way as well. So it's not confusing. Now, if you have like a roof deck or a hot tub or an ocean Something view, you want feature. put that first, but then make it like essentially like you walk in your front, here's a bedroom, here's a, so that people almost get a bit of a tour of the house. And it's not like, wait, what's that weird area? Where am I now? Um, I see people mess this up all the time in real estate listings too. It's like, 
what am I looking yeah. at? And people have not seen your house like you have seen your house. They don't know how it's set up and, and how it feels when they walk in the door. And so you also don't want people to be disappointed, you know, so you want to make sure that their expectations of what they're seeing are what they're getting. And that when they arrive, it's even better almost than than what they see. Because when people walk in the door, if they feel let down, well, that's not the best experience that you want them to have. And that also will result in a not great review. So if your property isn't exactly where it's at, you know, at first that's fine, but, but don't try to hide those things either because you don't want people coming. It's not like when you sell a house, you're like, okay, well maybe we don't show this because you know, the rest of the house will sell the house. No, it's like people are coming here to stay at your property and you can't, you don't want to hide something that's negative from them because then they'll have a negative experience. Case so, in point, one of our cottages, two of them are, have not been renovated yet. And Heather did a, a lipstick renovation on the <laughs> one and it looks really yeah. nice. We changed out light fixtures, put in new furniture, but we didn't renovate the bathroom and the bathroom is horrible. So um, it's just old. And so we were like, well, we don't want to show all these amazing pictures and then someone go into the bathroom and be like, whoa, what is this? So yeah, we, we made like, sure there was even, a picture of <laughs> picture and in the listing was like this is not fully renovated this bathroom is old you know just know that and so they'll know that coming in and maybe they'll even be pleasantly surprised be like this isn't as bad as I thought it was but you don't want the flip the reverse to happen yes so just just be mindful of that and like hopefully when you're ready to list your your home is ready but in the case of these cottages we can only renovate them one at a time and so we we decided to list two of them as is and to make money and they're listed very cheaply. So they get booked, you know, mostly for the weekends because we're here in the off season, but at least it's providing us some income and the guests maybe, you know, it is what it is, but the prices also reflect that. So pricing is another thing that we'll probably talk about. I would assume in the numbers episode, um, how much to list your actual property at, but you know, just be mindful of all of these things when you are setting up your magical Listing. Yeah, one last point on that that Heather does really well is have she mentioned this a little bit like layers of details in your pictures. And again, not if, if this was me doing it, oh, I right. wouldn't be able. To I pull almost this, forgot. I wouldn't be able to pull this off. <laughs> so, you know, I have Heather. Thankfully, it's like our our silver bullet or our magic bullet here. <laughs> but you know, she'll take a picture like an artsy style picture or have the photographer do it of like books on the coffee table with a coffee cup next to it so that someone goes in and they're like, okay, I can imagine sitting on that couch with those books there and having a coffee. Yes. I, I completely forgot. We talked about this in the notes when, but I thank you for bringing that up because yes, when you, you have your place ready to go, but the actual photography day, it's a bit hectic because I'm always running around and I'm adding, I'm here. When the yeah. I'm and adding, I'm here when the photographer is here so that I can show them exactly the angles. I don't want them to miss. And so like Trav said, I will put the books on the coffee table or I will have a glass of wine. I will put, I will set the table so that people can imagine themselves eating there at the Airbnb. If you have a deck or an outdoor space, you know, style that we have a fire pit. I turn the fire pit on. I put glasses of wine out there. I put a throw blanket, all of these layers that they're not there when the guest arrives, but they know it's possible because all these things are in the house. Right. We don't leave, you mean we don't leave the outdoor fire <laughs> no. pit on just constantly for people. But in your images that they see, it, I mean, it is very much like when you, when you look at a hotel, those are all staged 
photos, you know, so you want your, your guests to imagine doing that exact thing and you make it easy for them by setting up the scene. Yeah. And I think that that really, really, really helps people book your property. Yeah. Show, don't tell. Show them what the yeah. experience is going to be like. I also really love when people put captions under the pictures. <laughs> yes, you do. Not like a, that. <laughs> almost no one does it. And I, I, maybe you can't even anymore on Airbnb, but I remember I, I'm an, I like the, the details. And so when I'm looking at Airbnb, I like people saying like, the bedroom number two and the upstairs, you know, bedroom number three downstairs or whatever. So I just can get a sense of it. We at our property management company actually doesn't put captions on the pictures and they do a phenomenal job. So not necessary, but I'm saying, you know, it's not going to hurt if you go that extra mile to do it because some people will like it. Some people won't even notice it, but I like to really know and do some research on the places before I go in. So I'm like, oh, I know what I'm looking at. So that's just me. Um, think about who it's for, get really clear on that person, and then make sure that you stage it, style it, and add the unique touches, you know, the three unique touches that you can for that specific type of person, whether it be a group, whether it be a couple, whether it be, you know, a themed thing of bachelorette parties, whether it be like we're in the mountains, so we're going to go all in on this mountain theme, you know, whatever you decide to do, that's the, that's the kind of the art of it. And that's why I think this episode is our favorite to record because creative side. Yeah, you you can do something that we would never do. Heather is never doing Mike's Nashville house. She's ne- no, you, come don't say well. Don't, maybe like property seventy. You'll be like Trav. You can you could do whatever you want, and I do something crazy like that. But it, we're, she's never going to do that. But that's fine. She that's not the people we're going after. Um, but think about that, and you will make a magical listing. Your listing will go from middle of the road potential to magical and when it's magical you get better reviews you give people an amazing experience and you make magical money because (laughs) you can charge so much more and then it allows you to have your lifestyle and hopefully if you enjoy this wild ride you can keep on buying more properties because you know obviously you want it to be a success and we want it to be a success for you as well so yeah if you guys are looking, again, we've mentioned this the other two, a uh, couple episodes. If you are looking to buy a property, and again, this is very specific for people who are making six, seven, eight figures. You have a, you have money to buy. You're ready to go. You want a short-term rental, and you're listening to what we said here, and you're saying, "I want to make a luxury rental." Like that, that's the only people that we work with. No offense to anyone who's who isn't playing that ball game. That's totally cool. Like we said, we didn't in the beginning. Um, you could do whatever you want, but if you're someone who's saying, I want to make a luxury rental, I want to go for the top of the market in, you know, whatever market it is that you're looking to buy. And I, I want to do really well. And you want hand holding through that. We are trying this out. Um, cause we've done it for some other people. Um, not publicly, but we we've helped other people do this where we're walking you through the process of like everything from, starting out, finding your property, running the numbers, making sure you don't make a mistake, making sure it's something that can kick butt, then getting in there, helping you do all the magical steps we just talked about all the way through to having your listing ready and rocking. Um, you can go to strlifestyle.com, strlifestyle.com. There's an application there. It's pretty lengthy. And if you're a good fit, we'll hop on the phone, see if it works. But um, again, that's that's a very small subset of people who are listening, but if that's you and you're interested, let us know and uh, maybe we'll help you 
uh, be able to help you make a magical listing as well and hit a home run because uh, it's way more fun, let's just put it this way, to hit home runs like we have here in North Carolina than to hit little singles and doubles like we did in Philadelphia. And so we learned those lessons the hard way and we want to help you not have to go through <laughs> all that. So thank you guys for listening. Um, we've got another, what do we add? Five more episodes of this season, all about the journey to short-term rental success. So keep hanging with us. Let us know on Instagram. If you like it, at Extra Pack of Peanuts, at Heather Sherry. And until next time, everyone. Happy real estate finding adventures. We still have no oh, we outro. We still have no idea how to outro this Just hit the music, hit the music, Trav. <laughs> <laughs> And we forgot this old city's name See your breath on window pane Let's just talk till it strikes again On my way through I saw you on my way On my way through I saw you And I'll see you again Someday Little behind the scenes, Heather likes that song so much She had the finger guns going right there Dancing, grooving, finger guns out Thanks, Callum.